With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, and welcome to U.S. WhoCast. It's episode 64 of the podcast. It's our Tin Who for Series 9, Episode 9, Sleep No More, written by Mark Gatiss and directed by Justin Molotnikoff. My name is Matt Murdick, and if you have any thoughts about any of the episodes of Doctor Who for Series 9, feel free to send them to uswhocast at gmail.com. And if you find me on iTunes, please leave me a written review. It helps me stay more noticeable among all of the other great Doctor Who podcasts out there. So, I guess this is our first single story that we've had, like a, a single episode story. It didn't seem like there was any to be continued. Heck, there wasn't even any opening titles, at least not in my Amazon version. But there's really no resolution either. I mean, I love that the doctor is saying that something's still not right, even after he's decided that they have to go back to Triton and destroy all the Morpheus machines. He knows that something, some vital piece of information isn't being given here. Which, of course, we all get at the end about the fact that the film is the carrier of the signal that will allow these creatures to develop. And I gotta say that I haven't always been a big fan of Mark Gatiss episodes, but this one was great in that everything ends with the threat really still being there, I guess. Um, You have to assume that if we're watching the film, that this film has been found and that people are watching it. So something has to eventually trigger more of this stuff to happen it it does make me ask some questions though about what happened while the filming was going on did the morpheus machines carry the same signal i mean were clara and nagata were they actually infected or were they not unless they had seen the film was the film the only carrier or did the machines carry them up to that point as well i'm really not clear on that the whole lack of resolution at the end kind of threw me off guard. So if you have any thoughts about that, please let me know because I'm I'm not sure that I'm able to think about this in any kind of logical manner. Um, I guess I can think about the characters in kind of a logical manner. I wasn't really all that invested in them. I did like the 474 character. Rasmussen, I guess, was creepy enough. And given the result of the end of the episode, of course, is a fitting narrator for this. But I wasn't ever totally drawn in by him, either as a narrator or as uh, the character he was playing. As for everybody else, well, Nagata was okay, I guess. But the rest of them, you know, five-minute red shirts is all they were to me because I I really could care less about them. The whole 38th century Indo-Japan thing was fine, I guess. Um... There was that phrase that they kept repeating, you know, the the may the gods line. That confused me why they were all saying that. I, I'm, I'm assuming that's their way of addressing each other, some kind of code, but I, I, I didn't understand the importance of it. Uh, I can't, still can't figure out what the importance of it is, but it seemed important. Um, and of course, 
I know that Gatiss loves his Shakespeare, so I was expecting kind of a Shakespeare quote somewhere uh, in this episode. Um, I did love the idea of the episode being shot from different people's point of view, but I actually, I got to admit that there were points where it would shift around between them so fast that it became more distracting from the story than it should have been, at least to me. Still, it did give it, you know, a pretty good documentary-style kind of look. That was cool. I got to say that if I never hear Mr. Sandman again, that would probably be okay with me. I was pretty much as fed up with it as the doctor was after about the second time. And the thing that really annoyed me was the computer being programmed to open the doors when it was sung. Uh, that was when the point where I was just like, okay, never do this again, Mark. Um, there was something else. There was a mention of a great catastrophe or something, I guess, that created this whole Indo-Japan alliance thing. Um that seemed kind of important just because of the way the doctor brushed it off pretty quickly. So I don't know if that ties in with the larger mythology for uh, this season or not. We'll have to see. As for the monsters, wasn't really overly impressed with how they looked when they were just kind of walking around. But the effect of how they came apart, that was really cool. That was interesting. Not even so much the last shot of Rasmussen. I'm just talking about like that arm when it came through the door and then uh, suddenly disintegrated. That was a pretty good effect. I really like that. And I really don't know what else to say about the episode. I thought it was creepy and I thought it was interesting. And it was definitely one of Mark's best episodes that I've seen. But I, I really don't know what to do with any of the information that was delivered. Or if I should even put any weight into it, or if it's just kind of a one-off thing. Um, the fact that it is a one-off makes me wonder, you know, what was packed into this episode that I was supposed to get out of it that I didn't. Um, and if you have any thoughts about it, feel free, again, to send them to me, uswhocast at gmail.com. As for a rating, this is a very solid episode. I'm going to give it an 8.3. And I do have an email from Mark. Uh, regarding the Zygon inversion. Um, Mark had written this, uh, I guess, shortly after the episode aired. He said, I haven't read any reviews. I don't want to be influenced. But just from casual glances, this is getting a lot of praise. I think I prefer my Doctor Who to be a bit more sci-fi, a bit more high concept, which is why I think the opening story and the immortal girl story are better. But still, this episode was not bad at all. And the reason? The logic problems of the first part, gone. Rebecca Front as TV's most unlikely military commander, gone. Idiot troops, gone. Made up foreign country and sounds like a made up though it isn't town in New Mexico, gone. Kate Stewart crossing the Atlantic faster than Littlefinger crossing Westeros, hooray. <laughs> a great moment for Peter Capaldi. I didn't really believe Bonnie's change of heart and her turning into Osgood 3.0. She's just been humiliated and tricked, and she gets all good. Should we wait and see? Have you seen the synopsis for Heaven Sent? Okay, uh, thanks, Mark, for the thoughts. Um, as far as Bonnie goes, I have no idea. And no, I, I try not to read synopsises in advance. I, uh, I will watch, of course, the next time thing. 
which was uh, about the Face the Raven, I guess, episode coming up next week. But uh, I tend to stay away from any of the uh, synopsises as they're given, like at IMDb or at various fan sites. Uh, but thanks so much for your thoughts on the Zygon inversion, Mark. And that's going to do it for us here at USUCast. Again, if you have any thoughts, USUCast at gmail.com. This is Matt. Take care. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.